Book two, chapter five of Round the Block by John Bellbooten. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Friend in Need. One day, as Miss Pillbody was riding up Broadway, intending to visit a teacher's agency for the sixteenth time, she accidentally made the acquaintance of a middle-aged lady who talked a great deal upon the slightest provocation, trifled sadly with grammar and pronunciation and was excessively friendly and amiable. The diamonds in her ears and on her fingers, and her overdone and gaudy style of dressing, were some indication, though not a convincing one, that she was a woman of wealth, and Miss Peabody made bold to ask her if she knew anybody who wanted a private teacher in her family. The lady said she did not, unless, she added, laughing very loud at the humor of the suggestion, you come into my family and learn me something. The remark was unpremeditated, but the moment it was made, the lady seemed to be greatly struck with its force, and immediately followed it up with the question, Do you suppose you could learn grammar and pronunciation, and how to talk French to a grown-up woman like me? Miss Pillbody thought the lady with the diamonds was joking, and laughed by way of reply. But I am really in earnest, continued the lady, thoughtfully, turning three heavy cluster rings on her little left finger. You see, my early education was rather poor, cause I was poor then, but my old man made a speck in tobacco last year, and now I'm pooty well off, and live in good society. I kinder feel the want of grammar, French, and a few of them things. I like your face and your manners, and if you can learn me em, I'll give you ten dollars a week to come to my house one hour every day and be my private schoolmistress. It'll be rather hard, I suppose, to learn an old dog new tricks, but there is no harm a tryin'. Notwithstanding the oddity of the proposition, Miss Pillbody saw by the lady's face that she meant what she said. I think I understand English grammar and French, and the other branches usually taught at academies, she replied, and should be very happy to accept your offer. Then consider the bargain closed, returned the lady. Here is my dress, handing her a card, and you may come tomorrow morning at ten o'clock, if that'll suit you. I have no children, and the old man will be out at that time and we shall be as snug as two bugs in a rug, you see. Miss Pillbody was delighted with the sudden prospect of an honest living thus open to her, and she only feared that she would not be able to do enough for her money. So after she had again thanked the lady for her kindness, she said, I think I could give you lessons on the piano, madam, unless you understand that instrument better than I do. Lord bless me, child, responded the lady, holding up her thick red hands, and making the diamonds flash in the sunlight. Lord bless me, them fingers is too stiff to play the pianer now. I've got a splendid pianer, though, with an olean attachment, three pedals and pearl keys, cost eight hundred dollars, and a nice piece of furniture it is, you may believe. I let it be out of tune all the time. That's an excuse for not playing when anybody asks you to, you know. I don't mind tellin' you this, 
because you'll be sure to find it out and the lady laughed very loudly at the confession of this small deceit which miss pillbody assured her was by no means confined to herself but had been adopted by her ingenious sex from time immemorial when the middle-aged pupil and her young teacher separated as they did on the arrival of the stage at an uptown jeweler's where the former got out to make a few purchases miss pillbody felt as if she had known her patroness for years and that in that coarse showy good-hearted woman she had found a true friend and so it turned out however dull mrs crull might be as a scholar she was quick-witted as a friend and was constantly bestowing unexpected kindnesses upon miss pillbody scarcely a day passed that the young teacher did not receive from her pupil some little present at times rising to the value of a bonnet or a shawl mrs crull's all-embracing kindness would have extended to the widow pillbody too in whom she was much interested from the daughter's accounts of her but for the shrewd objection which she entertained against entrusting any one with the secret of her pupilage miss pillbody was often and particularly enjoined by her not to tell any one not even her mother of it and she saw the advantages of carefully observing the request great pains were taken to keep mr crull and the housemaid cook and coachman from a knowledge of the mystery on miss pillbody's arrival daily at ten a m she was ushered into the drawing-room where mrs crull was always anxiously awaiting her the servant was told to say to callers that mistress is out mrs crull bolted at this trifling deception at first but soon got used to it and the lesson began mrs crull at first thought she was competent to learn her native tongue and french together in a series of half-hour lessons but she soon found out that the latter language had some eccentric peculiarities quite beyond her powers of articulation and that the spelling of a word did not afford the slightest clue to the method of pronouncing it after floundering about heroically but hopelessly through the introductory chapter of the first french grammar she gave up the polite tongue in despair consoling herself with the reflection that speaking bad french was worse than speaking no french at all miss pillbody who did not venture to advise her pupil on her choice of studies but left her to consult her own fancies undisturbed heartily approved of mrs crull's conclusion though she acknowledged that new york society by no means took that view of the case but tolerated bad french with a courtesy worthy of france itself mrs crull's studies were thereafter confined to english spelling grammar and writing she declared that she knew enough of arithmetic to count change correctly and wanted to know no more and that geography was of no earthly use to her besides she could never remember the names of places it was in pronunciation that miss pillbody's system achieved the greatest good anxious to strengthen herself on that weak point mrs crull set a watch on her language and gave every word a good look before she sent it forth the effect of this constant introspection was most happy 
but at times mrs crull would be thrown off her guard by a rush of ideas and all the old blunders would come out toward other persons she became to some extent a free teacher and would in the most obliging manner rectify their little errors of pronunciation when she was sure of them and sometimes when she was not of course mr crull was taken in training by her that gentleman having made the discovery early in life that the less a man says the more he is supposed to know had acquired a habit of taciturnity which had become a second nature to him his conversation consisted mainly of grunts and nods and it was astonishing how much he could express by them at any rate they had made his fortune and he couldn't a done more'n that if he'd talked like a house afire which explanation often repeated was about the longest one ever known to be uttered by mr crull therefore mr crull did not offer a large field for the exhibition of his wife's new acquirements but by drawing him into conversation and then lying in wait for him she found opportunities to exhibit them for his good at first mr crull only stared and grunted then he laughed his laugh and mrs crull's laugh were very similar and were their strongest bond of union once he said wonder what's the matter with the old woman and on a subsequent occasion when mrs crull had convicted him of three mistakes in five words he ventured upon this protracted remark guess the old gal feels rather big since she got into what they call good society eh this was in allusion to the recent successful speculation in tobacco which had enabled mr crull to buy the best house in twenty-third street and take the second-best pew in a fashionable church thereby placing mrs crull at once within the charmed circle of society as for himself mr crull took very little interest in society having observed that society had taken very little interest in him until that lucky turn in terbacker mrs crull would smile and confess that society had claims upon people and that when one is in rome one must do as the romans do the moral of which proverb was that mr crull ought to improve his speech mr crull replied by asking what difference twould make a hundred years from now which observation when mr crull condescended to speak at such length was a favorite argument with him but he little suspected his wife's secret End of Book 2 Chapter 5